How about the third service? Amen. Amen. Wow. Looking good. You know, how many of you slept late? Anybody? You know, you could actually sleep a little later. All you've got to do is pack this service out, and then we'll have to have another service at 1.30. <laughs> you know? Wow. Last days. My topic this morning, I should say this afternoon, is marquees, billboards, and signs. And in talking with Pastor Farrell uh, and his passion for a church looking and expecting Jesus Christ to return at any moment, as the early church did, and him doing this last day series, he asked me to bring uh, to our minds and to our eyes some of the signs that we're seeing now, some of the signs that are happening in our lifetime. You're in a car on a business trip. All seems to be going well. No problems, no delays. You're making great time. Suddenly there's a sign from your instrument panel gauges. There's a problem with the engine. No worries, you think. Only a short distance to go. Plenty of time to deal with that later. There's plenty of time. Without warning, a sign from the GPS goes off. Seems there's trouble ahead. No big deal. Must be an error. Happens all the time. Those things are crazy. You don't need it anyway. As you approach the road signs ahead, you read the road you're traveling is now closed ahead. The alternate road is clearly labeled with numerous detour signs. The detour signs are many. As you approach the fork in the road, a detour sign clearly labeled, detour to the right, but you refuse to accept what you see. You decide to stay to the left on the road you've traveled for years. You're almost at your destination anyway. And as you, you accelerate past the men, waving the signs to stop, you begin to hear a knocking sound come from your engine and the smell of burning. No worries, you think. Your meeting is just around the next curve. In your frustration from hearing the GPS beeping and alarming for you to, to change your route, you swiftly cut it off as you're making great time rounding the last curve and approaching what used to be a bridge. Would have been in that case beneficial to watch the signs, wouldn't it? Remember the early, how many baby boomers? Any baby boomers here today? Just me and Pastor Farrell. How about, <laughs> um, there was a, a, a great gospel song, you know, just, just teasing about that. But that, was, that was the days of the, of the, good, the good rock and roll. There was, a, there was a group called the Five Man Electric Band, and they had this song out. And let's all stand and sing it. It's called Signs. Remember it said, signs, signs everywhere, signs blocking up the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that, can't you read the signs? And then I like this part, it said, And the sign said, you got to have a membership card to get inside. Whew. <laughs> Remember that? Aren't you glad you have that membership card today, and that is your name, is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. See, they didn't know they were singing a gospel song when they wrote that. Um, I remember as, uh, as Jared, when he was a preschooler, man, those were the days. You know, the terrible twos, the threes, I mean, just awesome times. We were merging on 70 Highway one day, and uh, the sign said, you know, that was the day that, uh, you know, they could, they could legally escape from, from car seats. That was, that, was a good, that was a good days. you know. You just put them in the car. They would sit in your lap and help you drive. You know, they would, they would stand in the car seat and, or, or stand. They'd crawl up in the back window and lay down, you know. I mean, just awesome times. You can't do that anymore. 
But uh, I remember he was standing in his seat like he was supposed to. And, um, you know, we, we were fixing to merge on 70, and the sign said merge or yield, you know, free-flowing traffic, just keep up and, get, you know, go on. But the car in front of me didn't know how to read, the guy driving. So what does he do? He stops. And Jared looks over at me as only he can, standing in his seat like he's supposed to, and he says, Daddy, he's an idiot, ain't he? <laughs> How many of you ever noticed the uh, retail stores? I'm sure you, you women do. You, you notice the retail outlets when they begin to put Christmas decorations out and they're feverishly putting them out. And before long, all the stores are decorated, the malls and the retail outlets. When you see that happen, you know something is near. And what is it? Thanksgiving. As Pastor Farrell, signs are a passion of mine, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a, a little bit real, real briefly here, hopefully, uh, about some of them. We're being plunged into a period of time about which the Bible says more about than any other period in history, and that is the final generation that will usher in the return of Jesus Christ in two parts, the rapture and the revelation. The rapture where Jesus comes for His saints and the revelation where Jesus comes with His saints. Now guys, if you're not that familiar with the rapture, you, you don't want to miss it. You want to, you want to be involved in it. Not only does the Bible describe these signs, but we see them happening now. And it's kind of like birth pains, which Jesus talked about. They're increasing, and they're getting closer and closer together. Um, and we're seeing them every day, moment by moment. You can just cut on your television, pick up any newspaper, any magazine... You can surf the web, and you can see the signs. And Jesus, when I see these signs, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, Jesus is getting my attention. Jesus is trying to get the world's attention that, hey, there's a tribulation coming. And we can see as Christians, those of us that are looking for the return of Jesus Christ, we can see the, uh, the storm coming, and we can see it strengthening. And we may not be able to divert it, or even to stop it, but we can warn others. The writer of the Hebrews said, when all these things are transpiring, when all these things are happening simultaneously, he said, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And, and what's, what he's saying is, when all these things begin to come to pass, that you know we can pray that Pray for revival when there will be revival. We can pray for other things and God will answer prayer. But Jesus' word is going to come to pass. Um, and a, the Apostle Paul in, said in Romans 15 and 4, and I'm reading the scriptures from the King James Version of the Bible, and there's not doing that because that's, that's the way they talked in New Testament times or Old Testament times. I, just, I was saved March 10th, 1973, and I just begin marking up my Bible with, you know, the King James Version of the Bible. There are other very good translations, um, but I found in, in my case, it's easier for me, a slow learner, that when I mark a scripture, it's, it's easier to go back to the same Bible and find it. And not only that, but to, to, to learn it and to memorize it. So the Apostle Paul said in Romans 15 and 4, he said, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. The prophets of the Old Testament, they, not, they wrote not only about Jesus' first coming the first time, but they also wrote about Jesus coming the second time as King of kings and Lord of lords. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, 
verses 1 through 2, our topic for today. Jesus' disciples come to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Now picture this in your mind. You're with Jesus, and you're with the disciples, and you're walking around the temple compound, and you're seeing all these magnificent buildings. You're, see, you're seeing the magnificent temple itself that supposedly the Ark of the Covenant is in, where God is actually on the mercy seat. And the Shekinah glory is all around. And you see all these religious people and all this scurrying around, people trying to get sins forgiven, people trying to get counseling, people trying to get debts or, or things where someone owed them money, they wanted to get it settled in a court, so to speak. But picture, picture you're walking with Jesus and you're walking with the disciples, and all of a sudden the disciples say something to Jesus, and uh, they're looking at him and they're saying, don't look at all this magnificent uh, compound, look at this. And then Jesus, he kind of turns the tide on them. In verse 2, he says, see you not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Wow, what a bold statement. And later in verse 3, no multitudes around. He's on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples come to him privately. And they say, tell us when shall these things be? First, first part of the question. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? and of the end of the world, or the end of the age. Now what does Jesus do? He answers them. And He answers them plainly in Matthew 24. Naturally, I don't have time to read this chapter. And also in Luke chapter 21, if you want to jot it down, you can find the answers to the questions that the disciples asked Jesus. When shall these things be? When, what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world, or the end of the age? So Jesus addresses the first part. He says talking about the temple being destroyed. Remember, he had just got through telling them not one stone's going to be left upon the other. He said, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee to the mountains. In other words, leave. Get out of Dodge. Get going. He said, because there shall be great distress in the land, he said, upon this people. So Jesus was risen from the dead around 33 A.D. And he's, he's gone back to back to the Father, and he's telling, he's telling the disciples, he's saying, now when you see the Roman soldiers come and surround Jerusalem, you need to leave. You need to go. And this was fulfilled about 37 or 38 years later in 70 A.D. by the Roman general Titus and the, and the Romans, and they destroyed the temple, killing many, 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 many Jews and even Christians, and, and scattering the other uh, Jews to the slave markets of the world and just scattering them all over the world. So actually it was, was fulfilled. But you know, if you read some of the uh, historical writings, maybe from like Flavius Josephus and others, you'll see that there were just tons and tons of Christians that were spared because they saw what Jesus said. They noticed, you know, Judah fixing to be... Uh, uh, they noticed something was going on. All the, all the Roman soldiers were coming in. Jerusalem began to be surrounded, and so they left, and they were spared. Um, from 33 A.D., when Jesus ascended to the Father, until 70 A.D., which was about 37 or 38 years, in the church there was, an, there was a big sense of an imminent return of Jesus Christ. And in saying that, I'm, I mean... From 33 A.D. to 70 A.D., they, they said, hey, Jesus could come back any minute. 
And the reason they believed that was because of some of Daniel's writings. They knew that there had to be a temple standing for Jesus to come back. The second time, the revelation part. They knew there had to be a, sec a, a temple standing because they knew by Daniel's writing, the Antichrist, the false Christ, or the pseudo-Christ, would enter in after three and a half years of, the, of Daniel's 70th week. Um, he would enter into the temple. He would cause the abomination of desolation. He would set up his, his offices, so to speak, in the, in the temple. He would claim to be God, and he would demand to be worshipped as God. So the Jews knew this could take place because they had a temple. Or the Christians knew it. But in 70 A.D., when the temple was destroyed, the sense of, the, of an imminent return that Jesus Christ could come at any moment began to waver in the church. And then Jesus goes on with the second part of the question. Uh, he said, well, the question was, when, when shall these things be? Then he says, what shall be the sign of your coming? Jesus says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. Watch therefore... For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And, and when he says watch, he's, he's fixing to tell you what to watch for. And then in the, the third part, he says, His coming with the saints, he says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And we'll be, we'll be involved in that. Christians will be coming back uh, on you know, white horses, to fight the battle of Armageddon with Jesus after the seven-year tribulation period. Jesus says, and he goes on, he says, Take heed and don't be deceived. And then he kind of commands us to watch. He commands the church and the believers to watch, to look at the signs. And my question to you today would be, are you watching? Are you paying attention? Are you listening? Are you looking? You know, it's not always easy to watch. I found in my life, it's not easy to wake up every morning and say, you know, this, this really could be the day that Jesus Christ or, or God the Father says to Jesus Christ, go get your bride. Um, it's, easy, it's easy to become consumed with just living and the cares of life. But Jesus said, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this several times, He said, no one knows the day or the hour. Let me say right off the start that I'm not a date setter. And no one knows the day or the hour. Many have tried to figure it out. Figure it out. There have been books and, and, and sermons and different things on you know, when Jesus will come back. No one knows that day or hour, and I'll be the first one to tell you I don't. So when, when Jesus said that, we as the church and we as believers a lot of times use as, at, that as an escape um, not to watch. Because we say, hey, no one knows the day or the hour, so it's foolish for me to watch. Um, not to anticipate his return at any moment, as the five foolish virgins did in the parable following chapter 24 of Matthew. Not to read the signs that are all around us and look at it with you know, expectancy. Don't become immune to the signs, I would say to you this morning, but to watch. And there's tons and tons of signs in the Old Testament, the minor prophets, Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, I mean, just tons of them, but also the New Testament, Paul, other writings, John, the book of Revelation. But, but I'm going to take just a couple here that, that Jesus said, and, and some of the recent ones are some of the signs to watch for. Um, he said, many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ. Or many are going to come in His name saying He is the Christ. We're seeing that now where uh, there are actually homosexuals preaching from the pulpit. And they're saying, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. 
But you can live any way you want to live. He loves me just like he loves you. And, and pretty much a license to sin. Jesus goes on. He said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Or you'll hear, hear of wars and commotions. Some of the latest that we're hearing now, uh, if you're following any of the news at all, is, is, is found in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 where uh, Iran, which is Persia, Iran just changed their name to Iran from Persia in 1935. Iran, Persia, uh, Russia, Turkey, Syria. Turkey is just the ones that just sent the flotilla down to uh, supposedly the peace ships to the Gaza Strips, if you watch that. But he said Syria, they're going to all soon come against Israel. And just this last week, the leading religious rabbis issued a statement this was amazing, the statement they just issued last week. It said that the results of the incident in which Israel intercepted a flotilla trying to break the naval blockade of Gaza seemed like the biblical description of the beginning of the Gog and Magog process. Now these aren't Messianic Jews. At where the world is against us, they said, but which ends with the third and final redemption. And to them the third and final redemption is the third and final temple. But God says to them, He says, My fury is going to come up in my face during this war, and He's going to send fire and great hailstones and brimstone, and He's going to destroy all but one-sixth of the armies. And this no doubt appears to be a, be a nuclear war. Now, many Bible scholars believe this war will take place, uh, or, the, or we, I should say we will be raptured just prior to this war, before it actually begins. Many Bible scholars believe that this war will start and we will be raptured during this war. It can kind of explain, during a nuclear event, it can kind of explain why so many millions of people are missing. And then there's others like Hal Lindsey who believe, actually believe that this war, uh, the Battle of Gog and Magog, is, um, is the Battle of Armageddon itself at, toward the close of the tribulation period. But it's no doubt nuclear because, you know, flesh consumes off their bodies, their eyes melt away in their sockets, they have professional barriers come in where you, if you see a body part, you can't go, get, go near it because you have to put up a little flag and they'll send in professional barriers to deal with it. Um, then Jesus goes on, he says, nation shall rise against nation. Nation, that's currently a chess game. We see one nation will move and others will observe and counter or turn a deaf ear. This great nation, the nation of America, the United States, is currently being attacked, not only from without, but from within. Inside as never before. All the freedoms our forefathers established in decades of war that our men and women died for are being bombarded from within. And then Jesus goes on, he says... He said, nation shall rise against nation, and he said, kingdom against kingdom. And what this really says, kingdom against kingdom, is he's saying religion against religion. Uh, religion is merely what? Man's search for God. But we're, as Christians, we're speaking about a relationship. Religion will do you nothing, but a relationship will help you spend your you know, entire eternity with him. Islam is now the fastest growing religion uh, with over, I think it's maybe the last... Uh, count is 1.3, 1.4 billion uh, Muslims in the world um, under the sign of the crescent moon and, the, and by the sword. Uh, they're pretty much, you know, this, this is my own personal belief. I can't prove this. I believe that Islam will be the world religion during the tribulation period because you got to think about it. The Christians are gone. The salt and the light is gone. And by the sword, you know, you, you either take the mark or you're beheaded. And Pastor Farrell will go over all that and explain all that to you. 
But, uh, you know, religion against religion. And see, if you're a Christian today, all other religions seem to be tolerable, except if you preach Jesus is the only way, you know, you can't do that anymore. Um, Jesus goes on, he says, earthquakes in different places. Now, what did he mean by that? He's talking to the disciples and he's saying, world, you got you got a picture, here, here all these people think the world's flat. They still think the world's flat, many of them, no doubt. And Jesus is saying, other than just here, other than just in our 60-mile radius that we travel, all over the world there's going to be earthquakes. Now recently we've seen major earthquakes in Haiti where thousands are still missing. And thousands are dead. We've seen hurricanes in the, I mean, uh, earthquakes in the Philippines. We've seen the recent earthquake in Chile where Business Week March 1st reported the Chile quake. That sounds cool on it. The Chile quake shifted the earth's axis about three inches and moved islands off the coast and raised this particular island called Santa Maria. It actually raised that island six feet. And that partially fulfilled Isaiah 13 and 13 where uh, the prophet Isaiah said that the earth will, will remove out of, out of its orbit. I was just wondering uh, yesterday how many earthquakes did we have this week? And so I went on the USGS website and we had 212 earthquakes this, just this week worldwide. Jesus goes on, he says, there'll be famines, which are no doubt the results of war, the results of earthquakes, the results of floods. The Another thought that... that really caught my eye and looking, looking at some of the causes that could cause uh, famine was, and it, it may really sound I insignificant, but it was the disappearance of uh, the glo global world, world news says up to 70% of all honeybees are gone. And honeybees are the number one crop pollinator in the world. A third of America's, it said that a third of America's honeybee colonies didn't survive the winter of 2009. And since 2006, an estimated 3 million colonies in the U.S. have vanished. And the scientists are calling it colony collapse disorder. And they just don't know the reason. It's not that they're finding all these dead honeybees. It's just they're vanishing. They're just disappearing. They're not going back to the hives. Einstein said that the, world's, that the Earth's population would die in four years without honeybees. Bees pollinate many, as you know, fruits, vegetables, and nuts. On this particular uh, program I was watching, they showed this one particular farmer who had hundreds and hundreds of acres of blueberries, and he had no way to pollinate them because the bees weren't coming. So he had to hire beekeepers to truck in their colonies on 18-wheelers and costing thousands and thousands of dollars where the bees and, you know, would poll pollinate the, the blueberries. Um, I thought that was interesting, something kind of interesting to watch, to see that if, if, if they just continue to disappear, if they continue to vanish. Jesus goes on, he says there'll be pestilences. And then next week, he says there'll be sights and signs in the heavens. And you can see that with the space travel, the Hubble telescope picture, pictures. You can go on the Internet and look at them. And also UFO sightings by thousands and even now millions of people, UFO sightings. Watch this. How many of you have ever seen a UFO? Be honest. Man, y'all, the Thursday night crowd had y'all beat. Half them have seen them. <laughs> Joel chapter 2, verse 30. Here's another sign. And I'll show wonders in, in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The second week of April, Gordon Brown of the UK declared that the western wall in Jerusalem is not in Israel. Now get that now. 
The government disallowed. See, what it was, Israel wanted to advertise tourism in the United Kingdom, and so they, they sent their uh, ads to be put in the, the papers there, and, and they said, you can't do that because you don't, the Western Wall is not in Israel. You don't own that land. They're saying you occupy that land. So what does God do? Here, they, here the UK is trying to stop tourism to the UK, so what does God do? He stops all tourism. Or I should say the U.K. is trying to stop tourism to Israel. So God stops all tourism to the U.K. for a while with a little thing called an Iceland volcano. And it shut down air traffic costing billions and billions of dollars in revenue. Um, remember in the Old Testament when God blessed Abraham and he, he said, Your descendants will be as the sand of the sea and of the stars of the sky. And, and God told him, he said, as long as, there's, as long as there's some of your descendants, as the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky, he said, I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. And that's what we're seeing. And then also in that verse, notice, and it says, and in the earth blood. And that kind of makes me take a close look at the photos of the massive red oil slick in the Gulf now. Jesus goes on, he says, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This right here is one of the most powerful signs that we're seeing right now. And Jesus is saying, you need to watch Israel. And I know, especially coming out of some of the seminaries now, there's a thing called replacement theology where they're saying that we as the church have replaced Israel. And that's not true. There's only one thing wrong with it. It's not true. Because if God could break His promise to Abraham... If God could break His promise to Israel, He can break His promise to you and I. And God is a God that cannot lie. But Israel, but Israel here, Jesus says, will be forsaken by all nations. Now think about it. This little tiny sliver of the land in the Mideast, right off the Mediterranean Sea. And He says foreign policies will be turned from pro-Israeli to pro-Arab. Sadly, even to the USA. Israel's currently being forced to surrender God-given land, the promised land, to the Palestinians for peace talks and to create a Palestinian state. Guys, I'm not here to bash any president. I'm not here to bash George Bush Sr., Bill Clinton. George Bush Sr. started the trend, followed by Bill Clinton, and followed by George W. Bush, and now followed by President Obama. One of those may be your man. You may say, well, I'm not a... You know, you may be a Democrat, you may be an Independent, you may be a Republican, I'm a Christian. Um, so just take what I'm fixing to say as, as not trying to bash anybody. I'm just telling you what just happened. Um, he said, you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. George W. Bush, in the year, two, I think it was 2003, Ariel Sharon was the Prime Minister of Israel, and he told him, George, Bush, George W. Bush started something called the Roadmap for Peace. And in that roadmap, he demanded that Ariel Sharon give up certain parts of God's promised land to the, to the Jews, to the Palestinians, just for peace talks. One of those particular uh, uh, parts was the Gaza Strip on the west, southwestern part of Israel, right on the Mediterranean coast. And he told Ariel Sharon, he said, you're going to make them uh, Israeli settlers leave in fact, if, if you go back and look at it, Ariel Sharon actually had the military go in and forcibly remove some of the Jewish settlers. And, and immediately, that very same week, we had a little thing called Hurricane Katrina. So here we cursed the coast of Israel, and, and you see what happened to our coast. Um, 
Recent meetings within the last few weeks, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu came to the White House. And these meetings with President Obama were a total slap in the face. President Obama, uh, a few days prior to this, Joseph Biden was in Jerusalem, and he got word that the Jews were building uh, religious Hebraic settlements in East Jerusalem, in their town. It's about like saying, we want to build... Uh, an apartment complex in Goldsboro. It, it infuriated this administration. When Benjamin Netanyahu comes to uh, the White House supposedly to have a state, uh, a state dinner, uh, there were no photo ops. There was no live television. President Obama gets up, insults the Prime Minister of Israel, and he says, if there's any change in what I'm telling you, you let me know. And he walks out and he leaves the meeting. This was an insult to him. The only leader in a, a democratic state in the Middle East, the only friend that we would supposedly have, an insult to him and an insult to God's chosen people by our president. And the results just happened a few days and a few weeks later, and the results are, are still ongoing. And we're reaping the results of this meeting, I believe. You may disagree, and that's fine. The results we're reaping is a little thing called the Gulf, Gulf Disaster the Gulf oil spill that they think may never be stopped. Terrible. Millions and billions of dollars lost. People living, losing their livelihood. People losing their businesses. Um, terrible disaster. Not only that, there was other disasters in the same weeks. The Tennessee floods costing billions of dollars. The Oklahoma tornadoes that cost numbers of people li people's lives and also losing their homes and businesses. Also, the Arizona uprising of of the, uh, the governor in Arizona just trying to enforce the federal law of protecting the borders. America's been blessed through the years, and America's, for, for, for the most part, been a sinful nation as far as sin's rampant, but God has blessed, is, uh, God has blessed America still in spite of that because of one reason, I believe. And that's because we have blessed the Jews and we have blessed Israel. But because we now curse Israel, demanding that they give away God-given land, the promised land, for peace talks, God's got to honor His Word. He has to honor His Word. God, you think about it. When in the Old Testament, when the king did evil in the sight of the Lord, the people suffered. And the people reaped the, 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 the judgment from it. The prophet Zechariah said in Zechariah 12 and 3, And in that day, in what day? Now. He said, In that day, or now, what we're seeing, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut, be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. Just last week, Helen Thomas, the White House uh, reporter for decades, was asked what she thought of the Jews. Her answer, they need to get the blank out of Palestine. When asked where they should go, she said, they need to go home. When asked where is their home, she replied, Poland, Germany, and the USA. Now, what do you think happened to the Jews in Poland and Germany? She said, they are occupying land that's not theirs. That phrase, occupying land is a disturbing phrase because our president just used it at a speech in Egypt. He also said the Jews were occupying land. C-SPAN Tuesday the 8th, I watched this and my jaw dropped. Couldn't believe our president was saying this. 
Remember, he just had a meeting about 60 days ago with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister. Now he's having a meeting in the White House with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Obama, here's what he says. He says, we'll work hard. Now this was filmed. This was live. You could watch this. You can go back to the archives and watch this. He says, we'll work hand-in-hand hand for a two-state solution. USA right now is the largest donor to Gaza, and Gaza is run by Hamas, a terrorist organization that they say actually has 30 to 50,000 rockets. They say they actually have more rockets than a lot of small armies. And they launch thousands of them into Israel every year. And then Obama, he pledged another $400 million of your money to Gaza. And Obama stated, it's time to move forward with, for two states. In the coming months, he said, the USA will put their full weight behind these efforts. Unbelievable. He said, with progress before the end of the year. I'm ready for Jesus to come. I'm ready for Jesus to come. Following this meeting that he just had, the very next day, in a couple days, we, we've seen several tornadoes. We've seen other things. But one thing in particular we just saw this week were in Arkansas, the flash floods, where many are dead and many are still missing. And even the governor has had to call two counties in that state uh, disaster areas. Jesus goes on. He says, Jerusalem be, be trodden of the, down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. He said there'll be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. He's talking here about blood moons, which is a lunar eclipse, and he's talking about the sun being darkened, which is a solar eclipse, or possible ash clouds dark, darkening the sun. Um, you can go on the NASA website, and you can see several upcoming uh, solar and total solar and total lunar eclipses that are going to transpire in 20, 2013 and 2014. I, got a, I get a newsletter from a messianic uh, rabbi, uh, Pastor Mark Biltz, and he, he, uh, he said, well, you, you know, if in, in Revelation, if it says the sun's going to be darkened, or if the sun's going to, yeah, the sun's going to be darkened and the moon's going to become as blood, I'd I kind of like to know when some of this looks like it may happen. And he did that, and what's interesting, they're, as I said, all going to take place in 2013 and 2014. But those of you that know anything about the Jewish feast, he went to the Jewish calendar, and every single one of them happens on a Jewish feast day. Another sign in the moon, um, my son-in-law Brooks just emailed me this. 1969, Buzz Aldrin uh, took communion on the moon. I didn't know that. And he also read a verse from the Gospel of John, so some of the first... Words on the moon were from uh, the words of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Then he goes on, Jesus said, And there'll be on the earth the stress of nations. What this is talking about, the stress of nations, is no leadership. We're currently $13 trillion estimated going to $19 trillion in debt. Guys, that can't be paid back. Your grandkids will never pay it back. Your great can't. There's no way it can be paid back. Nations are bankrupt. Look at what's going on in Greece with the riots and with, the, with all, the, all the other countries. America's in deep trouble. America, some of you and I grew up with, is no more and will be no more. People, if, if you watch the news, if you reason, read the newspapers, you see where, and even, even advertisements, people are buying up gold and silver like it's going out of style. Because What they don't know is it's really going out of style. 
Because James said, rich men weeping how? Your gold and your silver is moth-eaten. It's corrupt. It's rusted. We're, we're headed for a cashless society. And you've got this wheelbarrow of money. And you can go down to the, to the supermarket with all this money and a big wheelbarrow and try to buy a piece of bread. But Revelation, John said, uh, uh, one piece of bread is going to cost you a day's wages. And, and God's Word says, we're, we're headed for a cashless society. Um, and one natural disaster after another on the earth, distress of nations. Then he says, the sea and the waves roaring, which are tsunamis, floods, hurricanes. I've got to go, go quick. Men's hearts failing them for fear. For, t or for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. The Greek, this is not talking about, Jesus, when he says men's hearts failing for fear, he's not talking about heart attacks. Here's what he's talking about. The Greek word for fear is phobos, to be put in fear, exceedingly terror or terrorism. Jesus said, like birth pangs, this is the beginning of sorrows. They'll continually increase. Pastor, after 9-11, we saw the church full. Many churches will feel, and just recently we've seen it here in America, the Christmas Day bomber attempt. We've seen the Times Square bomber attempt. We've seen the Waco massacre by from a Muslim extremist in our own military, and our own leadership refuses to call it what it is. The phrase radical Islam cannot and will not be used in this administration. And Jesus said terrorism is going to be a major sign, and it's not only in other countries anymore, but it's coming like the movie, it's coming to America. And Jesus said, like birth pangs of a woman with child, they will increase. Then he goes on, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. He says, the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then in Luke 21, 28, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus does something interesting. He speaks to them a parable. In Luke 21, 29 through 33, he spoke to them. He said, behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is not now nigh at hand. So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, know you that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Can you say praise the Lord? Watch the fig tree, Jesus said. Israel, when the tree blooms, May of 1948, Israel becomes a nation you know that summer is near. You know that what is near? My coming is near. So likewise, you, when you see all these things, when you, when you see all what things? When you see Israel become a nation, when you see the fig tree bloom, when you see all the signs that I just talked about come to pass, he said, know you that the kingdom of God is at hand. Isaiah wrote in 66 and 8, Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. In one day, Israel was born, May of 1948. And Matthew goes on to say, to say about this same parable. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. This is a pretty, pretty bold statement Jesus is saying. He's saying, learn a parable of the fig tree. And I've always wondered, well, what is the parable of the fig tree? What is the parable of the fig tree? And I found it in Song of Solomon, chapter 2. If you want to jot this down, it probably won't be on, your screen, on the screen. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. says, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and... Come away.
For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. And the and voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes have a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. That sounds like the rapture to me. Um, wow. Then in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 24, Verily I say unto you, Jesus said, This generation, everybody say, This generation. Look to your neighbor and say, This generation. This generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The end of days, this generation. Matthew 24, 36, Jesus goes on to say, as I read earlier, that, but of that day and hour knows no man or angel but my Father only. But then in verses 37 through 44, he kind of changes his train of thought here, and he begins talking about the signs again. And he's talking about a final generation that's going to see them, and, he, and he, as he returns, and he says, he says, as the days of Noah were. Now, if you'll remember, Noah was a Gentile. And Noah was taken out of judgment. But in verses uh, 40 through 41, he interjects something that's got to happen. Let me, real quickly, did you know that in 2006, um, you know, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, I thought this was interesting. In 2006, they believe they have... They have found Noah's ark. Now, I know you're just giving me funny looks and you don't believe me, but go and look at www.cometomyhouse.org and you can see the video of Noah's ark and you can see the video of the, of the petrified planks with the pitch in them and this guy named Ark Bonneman, uh, pr- pretty interesting. He was on the, he was on the uh, trip that, that videoed it. Um, he brought back a piece that he sent to um, he sent to Smithsonian Institute lab to see what it was. It, naturally, it was petrified, and they called him back. And actually, he sent it to five different labs. He didn't tell them what it was, what he thought it was. He said, "I want you to analyze this and tell me what you, what you find." And they said, "Where did you get this? You got the, it's, it's about an hour thing. You need to go watch this and see it." Um, but he. They said, why? He, he said, why? What is in there? He said, well, there's hair fibers in here from lions in, in uh, Africa. There's hair fibers in, there's hair in here from tigers in India. There's feathers in here from birds that are only found in uh, the Caribbean. There's plant uh, particles in here that are only found. And it, it was pretty amazing to see that. Um, Yeah, but he goes on, Jesus interjects something here that must happen before this final judgment. He gives an illustration that two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. He said that two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be working at Walmart, one will be taken, one will be left. Two men will be flying a plane, one will be taken, one will be left. Two people will be working at a factory, one will be taken, one will be left. And Matthew 24, verse 42, he said, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. He's, he's saying here, uh, Jesus, he, no, no one knows the day or the hour of the rapture, the first part. Remember I said in the beginning, the rapture and the revelation. Um, it's an imminent return. It could, it could be 
uh, before I finish the next sentence. It could be before you get in your car today. It could be next week. It could be next year. We don't know the day or hour. But the second part, Jesus coming with the saints, can actually be figured to a day by Daniel's writings in Daniel 9 and also John's writings in, in the book of Revelation because we know that the Antichrist, as I said earlier, is going to enter, enter into the temple. And when he causes the abomination of des desolation, John said... 1,260 days later, or 42 months later, it's given unto him 42 more months or three and a half more years that he'll be able to continue. Jesus said, this is the, then shall be great tribulation, which has never been, never will be again. He's saying, he's calling it the time of Jacob's trouble. So actually, from the time the Antichrist enters the temple, desecrates the temple, sets up his offices in the temple from then until Jesus comes back and sets his foot on the Mount of Olives is actually by the Jewish calendar 1260 days. So when he's saying no one knows the day or the hour, he's got to be talking about the rapture. Um, I find it interesting that some of the signs at Christ uh, first appearing are there's, there was a global government, which were the Romans. When Jesus came the first time, remember taxes were increased. Remember all the world to be taxed. Remember, there was a census. What are we seeing in our time? Strange cosmic activity. There was a star in the east. You, you've heard about all the, the uh, sun flares and the meteor showers, etc. He said there'll be murder of infants. Um, we saw that with Jesus' first coming. We're seeing that now where you can actually, a woman can actually murder her baby. Late-term abortion. Uh, and also there was anticipation of a coming deliverer. Uh, the, the, remember the uh, wise men that came from the east, they, they knew that the deliverer was coming um, by the signs. And we're not only the only ones that are expecting a coming deliverer. Did you know the Muslims are expecting something called a 12th Imam or a Mahdi? They're actually expecting him to come back. No doubt, in my opinion, will be the beast or the false prophet and, and will you know, cause, cause great signs to come down from heaven, cause fire to come down from heaven. Many will be deceived and, and believe him. But uh, that's just some of the times uh, that or some of the signs of the times that are for our benefit. If everyone would, you know, I'm out of time, so if everyone would stand, the signs for, for, are here for us to watch, to work tirelessly in the final harvest, to look up and expect them at any moment, and to be ready. Paul wrote that in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, that we're not in darkness, that that day should overtake us unaware. We're, guys, we're to watch the signs, and we're to watch them not out of fear. The church, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We're to, we're to watch them and to anticipate His returning at any moment. There is a generation who will be watching. There's a generation who will be praying. There's a generation who will be waiting. And I firmly believe, as Pastor Farrell said last week, I believe we are that generation.